Welcome back to the LarkCast. You are now listening to Last Call. And uh, we just started doing these. This is our, our second one. And this is a chance for us to either dive into some notes, some insights, some thoughts that we weren't able to get to in uh, the regular podcast. Um, or maybe we hop back on and really we're just responding to some feedback, some questions uh, that arose from the original podcast. So in this particular case, we just have a few final thoughts wrapping up our very first podcast on the parables in Mark chapter four, the parable uh, that is commonly known as the parable of the sower, the sower and the seeds. And uh, we have a few follow-up thoughts. We got some stuff we want to get to. Yeah, man. There's uh, <laughs> there's so. I think the last time we re- we recorded that first one, I remember hopping off of the of the recording and just laughing. Like, man, there's so much to to look at here. Just so many like cool things that I feel like Jesus is is revealing in these passages. But can't get to it all. No, the last one no, was a long one too. Yeah, yeah, it was, man. But. Again, there's there's so much to get to there, right? You, well, and you I just, feel like our wanna... audience appreciates that. Like they know they're signing up for, well, they know they're signing up for some banter and some BS on the front end, but we're eventually going to get to the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of you know where I think we we landed was this this picture of of Jesus revealing that that the kingdom, man, when you get down to it, is a king and all that is life in this king. A king who is life, a king who is referred to in the scriptures as the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And the father has graciously sown his son throughout all of creation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that's why they're right. They're, a lot of theologians refer to the cross as the mystery, right? The mystery of the cross, like through the mystery of his death and resurrection, um, he's present in all things and all people in all places. The question really is just who's willing to take him at his word and awaken to what is life and who's right. As we kind of talked about in the last podcast, who's holding him at arm's length and hoping to really be able to grab onto all that he's saying and study it enough, right. To use the intellect and the, their cleverness enough to really make a decision there, mm-hmm. which makes sense. That's kind of how we operate in a lot of things in this world. Um, but Jesus says that that's actually impossible. We can't, we can't see him or what he's saying, um, by holding him at arm's length. He's, he's, he's not a frog, man, that you dissect in 10th grade biology. Whereas I've always thought he's, he's not a menu you can study at the door and make a real decision about the quality of food that's going on on the inside. That's a good analogy. Right? To, to taste, to see, requires going in and sitting down and experiencing the meal. So that's what we see here, man. And when you get to the end of like that parable that we were talking about in Mark 4, this where Jesus explains this, you know, what he's meaning by the story to the disciples. Verse 21, it says that he basically says to him after he gets done explaining, Hey guys, uh, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Like what, what would be the point there? Right. And then verse 22, he says, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. In other words, Jesus basically goes on and tells this story to say, Hey, the confusion that that the, this, the confusion the disciples encountered with Jesus, uh, it has a purpose to it. The frustration brought on by the parables is God designed. In other words, these parables, these stories I'm telling you, 
They're designed to take you somewhere, somewhere far beyond any place you can ever get to on your own. And in his time and wisdom, the kingdom is made known for us to see, right? He's bringing these parables for us to see. And all who come to him, he says, will see the light. Why else would you put a lamp, right? In the room, you don't put it under a basket. You don't put it under the, you know, under a bed. You put it up on a table, man, so that it does its purpose. And so he's kind of saying like, man, it's only those who refuse to enter in who can't grasp what I'm saying. Um, they can't see what's being made known by the light. So it kind of goes back to the point we were making earlier. It's not whether you get it or don't get it. It's whether you sit or leave. Because yeah. I'm sharing these stories so you can see. Um, it's a hidden mystery that I'm purposely like making known <laughs> yeah, for it, you. Yeah, it'd be weird if the light of the world didn't want to be seen, you know, and didn't want exactly people to be, you know, um, he's inviting us. He's invited us into it. And so the, the key to the kingdom, the mystery of the kingdom is Christ himself. And then if you want to know what Christ is about, well, he's about death and resurrection and to be known by him and to know him is, is faith. Like you can't learn, you can't uh, on the outside, put all the pieces together, dot all the I's, cross all the T's, and then enter in and say, okay, cool, I'll, I'll, I'll buy in now. Yeah. Like you jump in by faith on the front end, even if you have a ton of pieces missing. Yep. And I've always likened it to, um, um, what do they call it? Um, an acquired taste. Mm, good point. I was thinking about an acquired taste. You know, they'll talk about like beer or wine or port or whiskey or something like that. You know, it's an acquired taste. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's like an acquired taste is something like you don't, it's not tasty right off the bat. In fact, it doesn't really maybe even make sense why people are digging this particular <laughs> thing. Right. You're like a first, like, you know, my kids right now are like, they'll get a little, they'll dip, you know, their finger in my beer or whatever. They'll get a little taste of something like, oh, that's awful. Yeah. How does anyone like that? And if you think about how, an, how acquired taste works, there's a lot of, there's faith involved. There's trust involved. You're trusting that this tastes good based on the opinion of another person that, Hey dude, once you wade yourself through this, there's going to be a lot of enjoyment on the front end. Meaning when it comes to an acquired taste, faith is required to get there. Yeah. So you just see how trusting and learning and faith and learning it, th that's a small, like earthly example, but it most definitely is the case when it comes to what Jesus is saying. Yeah. If I had a I had a dollar, man, for every time one of my kids was like, oh my gosh, I can't stand the smell of tequila. How in the world, you know, could you sit down and like, you know, sip a glass of that? That's just, you know, that's horrible. I'm like, well, when I was your age, I thought the same thing. Same thing with wine. My mom always enjoyed wine when I was growing up. And I remember tasting as a kid and just being like, oh my land, how in the <laughs> hell are you drinking this? <laughs> right. Are you literally choosing this over a Mountain Dew? Come on. <laughs> Mountain Dew coat red, no less. <laughs> no, but then you get older, right? And you're like, wow, this this stuff's uh, this stuff's amazing. But I think that's what Jesus is saying. It's uh, he's saying there's no requirement for you to understand him. There's no requirement for you to be able to fully grasp all that is in and through God. The the only requirement is that you come. Hmm. You know, it's like. It's like an invitation to pull up a chair. That's what I'm inviting you to do. Come pull up a chair. It's from within me. It's from inside the life of Christ. Back to that mystery of death and resurrection that you begin to see. And I'm doing this so that you can. You know, that's, I love that, man. Like it really definitely points to this, like this heart of God. But then Jesus, right after that, goes on in verse 24 and tells him, which is, I feel like, you know, it's pretty important. He says, hey, but just so you know, 
pay attention, pay attention, he says, to what you hear. Pay attention, verse 24, to what you hear. Um, I think in Luke chapter 8, it says, take care how you hear. Mm-hmm. I like that, right? Like, it's, it's like this, it's an act that requires setting aside you know, your cleverness so you can come to the table that Jesus has set. He's not, you know, as we've already said, he's not someone you can hold at the, you know, at arm's length. He's not a menu you can study at the door. He's not a frog you dissect in 10th grade biology and you get to put in all these like little jars of formaldehyde and label them all correctly and lie on your shelves. And, you know, whenever you hit a bump in the road or you have a question or you want to make an investment, you know, you go to the shelf and you pull down that little aspect of God and you take the lid off and you, you know what I mean? You mess around with it and you kind of get this clarity that you need to make this decision to the better you. That, that's just not who he is. That's not how he operates. That's not what he's invited you and I into, despite all that religion tells us. And I think that's why Jesus brings that up, man. He's, uh, it made me think about like uh, when he healed the blind, when he healed the blind man at the temple on the Sabbath. I never like connected that to the parables until I went back and looked at this verse again. Okay. You have he, my uh, interest. I don't know what you're about to say. Yeah. So there's a, there's a blind man at the temple and it's on the Sabbath. In other words, this dude has got a struggle in his life, but it's not anything he's dying from. Like he doesn't need to go to the ER right now. Right. Like he'll still be here with us tomorrow after the Sabbath's over. But Jesus seeing this guy intentionally heals this man at the temple on the Sabbath, yeah, which is breaking religious law to do this going to stir the pot a bit. Yeah. And here's what's crazy. The scriptures reveal that he does this on purpose in front of the Pharisees, this religious crowd. Okay. That's really after him and all, you know, because of what he's saying about who God is and what he's like and what he's doing in the world. And I'm looking at that and it kind of made me think about like, oh, it kind of ties into like, you know, the stuff that you'd always hear about taught in churches a lot about like wineskins, you know, like you, the way wineskins work is you can't, if you've got a wineskin and it's old, you can't put new wine in it because the gases, right? Cause it to expand and your wineskin, what you're carrying your wine around in will explode. So Jesus talks about like if to take in new wine, to take in what it is that he's really saying, you're going to need a new wineskin. You're going to have to shake this old religious filter that you have that you've been basing your life off of to grasp what he's saying here. And I think that's kind of what he does with the parables is he's like, he's in a sense, it's almost like he's coming to people with this new wine and he's saying to them, all that you need is here, but you're going to have to drop that old wineskin because you cannot grasp what I'm saying. As long as you're hanging on to this old way of thinking, you cannot grasp it. You cannot see it. You will not know it. It's impossible. You, the old wineskin cannot take in new wine. And it's no different than kind of what he did with that healing at the Sabbath was my point. Jesus wants them to see what God is really like and what he's doing. He could have waited till the next day to heal that man. Right. But instead, he chose to break their laws right in front of them on purpose, healing this dude on the Sabbath, man, at the temple. Yeah. It's an invitation to like explode their wineskin in a sense. Yeah, no, for sure. And again, like, you know, I think for the first time going through the gospel of John with our community locally, I'm starting to see like how purposeful, like Jesus introduces that tension. Yeah. And we, we think like, man, like, why are you talking in parables? Like, why are you creating this tension? Why are you sending rich people away sad? Why are you healing on the Sabbath? Like, why are you kicking up all this stuff? And it's like, dude, unless there's that tension, unless there's that, you know, kicking up the dust, like you're never going to 
reckon with the light of the world and the claims of the light of the world and his judgment of no condemnation, right? The, the, the crisis of you're loved, the crisis of you're forgiven, mm, the crisis good. of everyone's welcome. Yes. And at the end of that, um, I just looked up the, the passage in John 9, and I remembered there was a phrase that was very similar to the one in, in, in Mark that we talked about in the podcast. And um, it's right all after they're arguing with the guy and his family and they're canceling, you know, the dude, they're kicking him out of the synagogue and his parents can't come back and yep. all that, you know? Um, and I love the blind man in that story. He's like, Oh, like, why are you asking so many questions about Jesus? Do you want to be his disciples too? Like, you know, <laughs> And that's when they just straight up like they kick him out because he suggested boys, that maybe you boys they sound like you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> they can't really stand fired the, up, but <laughs> they can't stand the thought of that. And you really see the hardness of heart. If you want to know yeah. what, be careful how you hear or be careful what you hear. The the, the Pharisees, if you want to look at an example for that, the Pharisees are an example of what not to do. Yeah. The tax collector sinners, the people who are sitting around and listening and leaning in, even Nicodemus coming and asking questions, even the rich young ruler coming and asking questions. That's that like I'm I'm leaning in, right? Yep. A little bit. I'm 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 pressing in. I want to, I want to know. But at the end of that passage, it says, um, for judgment I came into the world, which is an odd phrase because in John 3, 16 to 20, it says that he didn't come to judge the world. What he means is like for judgment, I came into the world. Like I came into the world to like, to, sh to expose what is and what isn't. Yes. That's what he's doing with the parables, which is what he's saying, right? Yeah. I'm exposing yep. what is and what isn't because the way it seems right now, it's one way, right? But yep. here's these unobservable workings of the kingdom and it ends up being totally flipped. Like it's totally different. So yep. for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. And of course, the Pharisees right after that are saying like, oh, are you saying we're blind also? So you're saying we're blind? They, they just will not. They just will not concede an inch to him, man, and yeah. have a dialogue. They harden their heart at every turn. And what he's saying is like, man, here's the judgment. Those who are blind, uh, they're actually coming to find out that they actually see. Yep. And those who are so prideful in their scene and they're boasting of their scene, and they mm. think that they see you're actually coming to find out you're actually pretty blind. Yeah. Yeah. You're blind. That's such a, that's such a good point, man. And so you think about like Jesus in that scene, you think about like how he goes about healing people and what he begins to expose, right. With the, you know, with the religious crowd and, you know, in a sense, flipping everything on its head for everyone. He's, he's in a sense, whether it's that or the parables that we're talking about or the, the parable that we've been talking about, he offers no scrap of the old religious system. I think that's the point that he's making here and why he's saying, pay attention to how you hear. Hmm. I am offering no scrap, none of the old religious system in what I'm saying and in what I'm doing, whether I'm teaching in parables or how I'm healing someone. I am providing no scrap of the old religious system because if I do, you will hang on to that scrap, okay? AKA old wineskin. You will hang on to that. And therefore, in hanging on to that, you will only see what I'm saying and you will only see what I'm doing 
as long as it fits within the old system that you're hanging on to, which is to not understand at all. <laughs> and isn't it so easy to do that, man? Yes. Like I all was, of us, um, me, remember, you all. Well, that note, that note I shared with you in my Bible. So we were in Mark four and in verse three, it says, listen, a sower went out to sow. And I looked down at my, my Bible, um, and I had a note there from, you know, previous, I'm just going to go ahead and turn there really quick just to read it. So here was my big note on verse three, where it says, listen, a sower went out to sow, which we, we said is like the father sowing the son in the world, right? It's this message of like, it's this, it's the framing rea- like gospel reality of God sending his son into the world. And I, here's my note. Preaching Christ ought to be this natural for the Christian. Mm. So I went and turned, <laughs> I turned this, I turned this little phrase that in it has everything, everything to say about the Bible, right? From beginning to end. Yeah. That a soul purpose what he's doing. And yeah. send so his the, the his word, his son in the world. And I turned it into this like evangelistic missional <laughs> law. Like, yeah, it should just be this natural. Just go out and so just yeah. get just get after it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're you're ashamed of the gospel now, huh? Oh, so you want to talk about like taking your lens and you can see Jesus through your lens. You can make the Bible say whatever you want. For sure. You can make you can you can make Jesus out to be however you want to make him out to be. Yep. Yeah, I think that's why I was saying in our last podcast, it's not until you come to the end of your virtuous rope that you ever, I feel like, start to sit back and just go, What is he saying? Not what do I want to hear? Not how does it align with what I think should be? What is he saying? Because every religious person around him wants to murder him when he's done saying these things. And I'm going out and saying what what I think he's saying. And all the religious people around me are going, yeah, man, love that. Love that. Got to get a copy of that sermon. You got that? I'm going to get, I'm going to send this to somebody who really needs to hear it. And I'm going, I don't think I'm saying what he's saying. And I think it's because I'm not seeing what he's seeing. I'm not seeing right what 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 he's revealing, I should say. I guess you could put it like this. The reason why old wineskins can't take in new wine, you know why? Because it's impossible. (laughs) Like sometimes it's like, it's so simple. It almost like hits you like a brick. Oh yeah, that doesn't work. How come? Because it's impossible. Yeah. Once you do it, it explodes done over. So then, so I can't like hang on to any of this old system. None of it. What, what, what about like just, just one little piece that, you know, that I've been kind of finding my security in or my significance in right now. Nope. Nope. It's when you come to the end of your virtuous rope, dude, when you die into yourself, right. When you just take that step of faith, right. No matter how small it is and just sit and go, you're God, I'm not help me see. Mm. That's where life begins, man. And it's, it's a beautiful thing for those that have come to that place, right? Yeah, and you see why the Pharisees really struggle with Jesus' words because they 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 thought of themselves as those who see. Yeah. But when you start from a place of glory, when you start from a place of like you've arrived and you're on the mountaintop and you don't you don't start from a place of death and resurrection, um, but a place of ascension and arrivedness, that's even a word, it's not, I just made it up. You're gonna really you're going to really struggle, man. Yeah. So I think that's why after he says, take care how you hear or pay attention right, to what you hear, Jesus sort of closes out his explanation of this parable with, with this. In verse 25, he says, take care how you hear, because with the measure you use, which is what we've been talking about here, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, he quotes the, the prophet Isaiah again, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has 
will be taken away, which really ties in, man, to what you were just talking about when you were pointing, you know, to Mark. It's like Jesus makes a statement. He's not describing uh, like, you know, that God's like going to reward you or he's going to punish you, you know, in these parables. And here's why he's more just like giving a simple description about the way things are. He seems to be saying that, and I wrote this down and I and, um, actually I wrote this down because I took this from, from a breakdown that Capon did. He says, if you grasp the fact that the kingdom of God works in a mystery, then that grip will offer you more understanding about the character and workings of God. But if you don't grab onto the reality of the kingdom operating as a present mystery in the world, then everything that happens will make it look like like the credible understanding that you have, that you've come to love, is being stripped away from you. Everything that you've been hanging on to, that you've been clinging to, look, if you understand that this is a mystery that's been brought into the world, sown throughout all of creation by the Father, made available to all through the death and resurrection of his Son, if that's what you're seeing, if that's the secret, he's the secret, he's the key, right, to the kingdom, then man, you're going to begin to be able to see and grasp and grab onto all that God is declaring. Mm. But if you don't see that, which is what I'm trying to reveal to you in these parables that's at war against your religious nature, then man, everything that you think you see and understand that you're holding on to, it's going to feel like it's getting ripped right out from under your feet. Yeah. And the, why and the they funny respond thing, the way they do. The funny thing with that is that you never really had it to begin with. Yes. It's what you think you have, you know, will be taken from you. So it was like this, the life was a myth. The understanding was a myth from go. Why? Mm. Because we don't get to determine who God is and how he works. He reveals himself to us yeah. in and through the word, in and through his son. We don't from the ground get to look up to the sky and determine how things go. He comes down and tells us how things are. And parables are that little glimpse, mm. that, that that those first glimpses that we're getting yeah. of, of this. He's unpacking it and he's helping people who think they see to help them to realize they don't see. And to, to the ones who think they've been just discarded and out and there's no chance to be in and they're yeah. completely blind. He's letting them in on, on the secrets yeah. he's saying you actually can see yeah. it's not whether you get it or don't get it. Right. It's whether you sit or leave. Yeah. And good stuff, man. It really is. And I think we could just close us out with if, if I could offer just anything up just to hang on to that's just been a help to me. It's just realizing that I think what Jesus is saying in this parable and, and throughout all the parables in various ways and various things and aspects of life is that those who by faith, you know, discover that the that the mystery of the kingdom is Jesus himself. They're going to find a greater understanding of what God is like when they look at the death and resurrection of Jesus. Hmm. They're going to find a greater understanding of what humanity really is and what it really needs when they look at the death and resurrection of Jesus. I think that's what he's showing us. And those who don't, those who don't understand that Jesus is the mystery of the kingdom, who then don't see his death and resurrection through that lens, they're going to see the death and resurrection as weak and foolish. They're going to see his death on a cross as weakness. And they're going to they're going to hear about resurrection from the grave as foolishness, the scriptures mm. say. And so, it, again, man, it just comes back to all have been included in this reality. It's those by faith that begin to see and awaken and to live and walk within it. And it's those who are in their unbelief exclude themselves from it. Mm. And that is the opposite, dude, of our whole conditional framework yeah. for how we go about in our religious tribes of who's in and who's out right. and who counts and who doesn't. Right. So, dude, amen to that, man. And uh, 
good start, man. Good start to the parable series and good work on that. Um, The conversation continues next episode. Yeah, man. New parable, new conversation. Can't tell you what it is till we get there, though. So until next time. Cheers. Cheers.